He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a rat. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hello and welcome to week 19 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm Bobby Donnelly. Uh, this week I'm joined by Barry O'Hannon. Hi Barry. Hey Bob. And I'm joined by James yet again. Hey James. Hey Bob. Uh, Alan can't make it this week but uh, we hope to have him back next week. Um, how are we all doing? We all well? Uh, yeah, good and bad. Yeah, it's a, a mixed week. Yeah, we didn't have too much of a successful front, uh, successful go on the golf front really this week, did we? Well, most of it anyway. No, mine, mine started great the day after last week's podcast on Wednesday, um, and then came crashing down over the subsequent days. Finishing up yesterday with a, a bitter loss to my dad and brother in the match play. So, what was the score on that? It was three and two in the end. Uh, myself and James were playing against them. Um, it seemed, I don't know, it, uh, they seemed to hit the hammer blows when, when, it, when it was going to hurt the most. And mm. James kept finding their balls in the rough and they kept hacking them out onto the green. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm a fan of his vision right now. Well, I'm not a fan of your putting right now. So no, no. I missed, I had a horrible choke. I missed a two-footer on one of the holes for a half. So that was not good. Uh, missed a lot of putts low, so... Wasn't wasn't my best day ever on the course, but um, yeah. So we we'll just wait for next year to try win the four ball match play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, myself and my partner were we were have been very good in four balls, and we've won match plays in the past. But we got a right humbling by Alan at the weekend. I, I wasn't going to mention this because he was because he was here, but I said it better mention. We got an almighty thumping of nine and seven over eighteen holes. So uh, <laughs> Alan, 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 Alan and his partner gave us a right thumping. So uh, he was, he was yeah. playing on his home course, wasn't he? Uh, his partner was. Who actually played? Actually, in fairness, his partner played very well. Actually, we played in Tulfaris, and his partner is a member in Tulfaris, and they were playing. It was an open four ball, better ball competition, and Alan and Maddie had forty three points, uh, three quarters uh, handicap. So I'd say they have a chance of winning the competition. Now, to be honest, we were as bad, if not worse, than they were as good. Alan particularly played brilliant. He was. One over for eighteen holes. He played very well, and Maddie was playing very steady as well. So the two lads were excellent in fairness. Um, but off. we haven't heard yet. But hopefully they might win the competition to Paris, which would be good. Pick up a little bit of a prize. Yeah, and it was nice to get some golf swag. Yes, exactly. But it's good we don't have Alan here anyway to to, yeah. to, to endure the closing. Yeah. Uh, will be forty five minutes of Alan just giving us abuse. Yes, exactly. so on the plus side, Barry nine and seven makes us feel a lot better right now. Yeah, well, yeah a little bit better. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, there's nothing like other people's bad golf to make your own bad golf feel a little bit easier to swallow. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Oh, we're looking forward to you know new week, more golf on the horizon. So um, and hopefully sunshine. Something yeah. that was very lacking this week. Oh, last yeah, we, our match last night. We, the first nine holes was just that drizzling rain that just soaked everything. And made, yeah. You know, it makes it makes life very very difficult. So um, hopefully the sun will come back and dry things out, and we'll play some golf in shorts very soon. Anyway. Yeah. Onward and upward. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Okay, well, um, just in terms of this week's show, um, we'll start off with our rules-related question. Um, we'll have a look back to the Wells Fargo Championship and the Championship at Laguna National, which is the European Tour event. 
and um, we'll get an update from Barry on the top 200 competition including one spectacular new entrant um, and our main topic this week we're actually have, we wanted to discuss just the difference between the handicapping system in the US and the handicapping system in the UK and Ireland and we had the opportunity to talk to a friend of the show a guy called Niall O'Carroll who has played golf in the States and in in and, and plays in Ireland at the moment so he was kind of he's quite well informed to give his uh, discussion on that um, and then I suppose we'll have a quick look ahead to next week and have a look forward to uh, TPC and Sawgrass it should be a great event and we'll touch on the Madeira Islands Open um, and that's really that's our, our, our kind of plan for the week so without further ado I'm going to move on to the rules related question and Alan has actually answered this already um, so I'll actually just get you to answer now Barry just going to Alan actually answered without having to hear the question for a second time, which is an achievement. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to get a bit of abuse now next week for all this. Okay, the question is, in match play, a player observes a breach of the rules by his opponent, but decides to disregard it. What is the ruling? Question mark. A, both the player and his opponent are disqualified. B, the player is disqualified, so this is the player who observed the breach of the rules. Or C, there is no penalty as a player may overlook an opponent's breach of the rules. Alan has gone for both the player and his opponent are dis- disqualified. And Barry? I'm going for C. So you're going for C, there's yeah. no penalty. It seems like an undeveloped process, you know, there's no mention of committees or anything, so I'm just going for, mm-hmm. going for C. Okay, okay, very good. James, anyone, any input there from the barrister? I, I want to say A, but just to make it interesting, I'll go B so that somebody has to be right. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Uh, it's easy when you have a free roll at this. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah, because if you get it right, you get all the praise, and if you get it wrong, we don't even know. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Pretty much like my appearance on this program. <laughs> cool. Well, listen, um, great. I'll come to that at the end. We'll get the answers to that one at the end. Um, looking back to last week, we obviously the main event really is, I think it's fair to say, was the Wells Fargo Championship. Um, JB Holmes won. He won well. I was going to say quite comfortably, but he made a bit of a meal out of it at the end, especially on the last hole. It was like one of us trying to finish oh, off a tournament. A, a fine amateur chip to yeah. leave himself a horrible what forty five footer up a hill and yeah, he needed a bogey, so he was yeah. leading by two. He was actually leading by three. Bogeyed seventeen. Um, I think he three put at seventeen. Did he hit it short? Hit it short and, and mm-hmm. put it up and missed the putt. But that course is all about, you know, 16, 17, and 18, the green miles, just about hanging on to your score at the very end. They were Actually, sorry, I'm wrong. I think uh, on, he made a, about a 10-footer or a 12-footer to stay too ahead on 17. Gave him the breathing room. Yeah, and so he only needed to make a bogey in the last to drive, iron short, had to chip it up and two-putt it, and yeah. chipped, didn't get it over the ridge at the back of the green, left himself 45 feet short, but put that up to what was it, three feet in the end. Yeah, and then Rams home. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's good, good, good to see him back in the winner's circle, former Ryder Cup player, um, and you know one of the guys who's famous for pounding the ball miles. Still does, yeah. yeah. Still hits it a good long way. And it's sorry, it was a good story though because uh, I think it was a couple of years ago he had brain surgery um, and they had to put a titanium plate into his head, and then the titanium plate actually got infected, so they almost had to do the surgery again. So. I mean, it's obviously quite difficult to have to go through. So it's another kind of good story to see someone bounce back. Yeah. Um, so might be a kind of bright light for you, Barry, for this season maybe, which your ankle last year. I also have titanium in my ankle, so Perfect. Uh, yeah, the similarities are running very well. You might just need to get an infection at first, and then you'll be golden. 
I'd say I, I think I'm quite happy to stop where I am with the, the injury. Yeah, it's sore enough as it is. I'd say that's the only comparison you have to J.B. Holmes and his golf. That you have a titanium yeah. in your in your body. Yeah, I also play golf. I mean, that's yeah, that's about as far <laughs> as it goes. <laughs> that's um, a small p. As good as good as it was to see Donald's, uh, sorry, J.B. Holmes kick ass last week. I thought the real story was Felipe Aguiar and his back nine for over Laguna National. Yeah, that was a cracking finish. Jeez, uh, that was unbelievable. Because did you hear? The, well, just start going to explain it anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, he was nowhere in you know nowhere after nine holes and comes back and shoots twenty eight and reels off four birdies in a row, a couple more birdies and um, just clears the water on seventeen. Makes makes birdie from the fringe. He's still behind, and then he holds a second shot on eighteen. Mm. And his face was brilliant because he didn't actually realise that it went in. And his caddy told him it went in, and he just his face just exploded with you know excitement, and that was it. And Anders Hansen didn't make birdie in the last two holes to force a playoff. Yeah. Well, yeah. just just the Aguilar thing. I, I I heard the interview with him afterwards, and he said uh, he had hit the, the the wedge in for the eagle too, and didn't realise it went in. I thought that everyone was just clapping because he was walking up to the green, you know, that he was just being really <laughs> polite and everybody, until the caddy pointed out to him that he'd actually, you know, held it for the eagle. Um, but I, th- I thought it was a great tournament. And um, the other person who I had watched a little bit, it was uh, uh, Ganji, uh, 65 in the final day, five pot birdies in the last five holes. Nice. Yes. To finish fourth place. And, um, you know, it was just some shooting. When you get in a rich vein of form, you know, that is just... And I think he had three three birdies in the front nine, no bogeys in the in, in over the course of the last round. Super golf, but yeah. for for a competition that I didn't think I'd actually watch any of, I saw more than I thought. Yeah, and actually, one of the guys on um, one of the guys on Twitter um, who uh, kind of on he does the betting for William Hill, Dave Kellner, actually tipped up David Lipsky at one hundred and fifty to one, and he was also tied at twenty one under. So, looking at a 151 oh. playoff playoff uh, participant, and then uh, your man holds it at the last oh. hole to, to knock it out. It was a bit, a bit unlucky, so, uh, but it was a great tip from him. Um, but that's, yeah, yeah that's, some, that's some foresight. And yeah, yeah, and that was a cracking tip. But I think that's the thing is, you know, the Wells Fargo probably at the end, it was, I suppose, J.B. Holmes nearly threw it away, but... The Laguna National was actually a great finish. It was really good. And obviously, mm. extremely dramatic finish. You know, and I think sometimes we assume that the tournaments might might not be as good in Europe, but often the the, the finishes turn out to be brilliant. You know, and the drama, was, yeah, yeah, and it was great, great drama and great finish. I suppose it helps when there's birdies coming in because yeah, in Quill Hollow's about hanging on the Green Mile. Like that's the toughest three hole stretch in the PGA Tour. Yeah, it's third hardest, second hardest, and then the hardest for the last three holes yeah. in terms of those eighteen holes. Whereas at least these guys were coming in birdies left, right, and centre. So it's a bit more, a bit more excitement to it. Yeah. Do you and think though that it's because we watch more of the US Tour because it's late night on a Sunday when there's nothing else on TV that you know it, you just see more of the last round? Yeah, in mm. the US, so it just seems like it's it's more interesting that. Actually, the stuff that's being played out in the European Tour probably doesn't get as much of a look in mm. because of the money or because of the exposure or the time of day that it's on. I, I actually personally enjoy watching the European Tour a lot more. Um, I, it, It's kind of weird. I prefer to see the likes of Chris Wood facing off against you know some of the other kind of, I suppose, Tier 2 guys. I don't know whether it just it's a bit more... It's a the real b- battle. Yeah, almost. it's a real battle. These guys need the money. These guys are, lo- are earning for cards. Whereas, 
someone like Bubba Watson shooting out with Matt Kuchar, or even when you look back to the Masters and Kuchar and Speep mm. facing each other down, it's sure, all oh, paddy paddy. They're going through. Listen, both of us have five million in the bank this season alone, and we've loads of sponsorship. Whereas the guys, at least in the European Tour, they're actually really playing a proper golf tournament where they need the world ranking points. Finishing first, second, or third actually matters to these guys. Yeah, I mean, and case in point, Peter Laurie. Mm. He's just been on a horrible run of cuts, and the guy, he's just losing money hand over fist being out on tour. And yeah. He finally breaks through and makes a cut. And it was brilliant because then he went out on the weekend and shot some very nice numbers. It was like the weight of the world was off his shoulders. Mm. I mean, that's, I mean, that shows you how much it means and matters to these guys. And for him to get 20th, I mean, he didn't get a big payday, but I'd say hopefully we can go see, see him go on now and make a few cuts in a row yeah. and kind of build from here. And uh, I suppose we're in, what, we're May now, so next yeah. month's the Irish Open as well. So he, maybe he might start finding a bit of form for Yeah, that. and we're coming into, like, slightly bigger money events when the tour mm-hmm. comes back to mainland Europe now as well. So, you know, a, t- a 20th in a, a bigger event here in Europe will... Mm-hmm. Buy, you know, get him an awful lot more money and hopefully help him get his cards and get back on track. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, those be ones ones to keep an eye on. Um, okay, well, listen. If, if that's not if that's everything, we'll just move on then to our top two hundred update. Barry Allen, Allen's out, so you're going to give us the update this week and dramatic development this week. Yeah, so uh, we had a we had a new joiner this week, which is you know it happens every week. Well. Uh, the new joiner, John Fahey, decided he'd come in with a home run, and uh, on Wednesday he entered his team with JB Holmes on it, and uh, JB went on and did the business for John, so John started the week at 533rd combined rankings for his two players, mm-hmm. Otagi was the second one, yeah. and he's finished the week at 368, so wow. he has just leapt into the top 10 in seventh place. Um James, after his good leap last week, has fallen back a little bit. Um, I'll take that. I'm still ahead of Barry. He, ha- he is. Yeah, yeah. He's not too bad. By quite some distance. Yeah, James is sitting in sixth. Uh, myself and yourself, Bob, are still languishing right down in 21st and 22nd. So Ooh, long, long season ahead. Long season ahead. So yeah. the top three uh, is Stephen O'Connor in first. Uh, the missing Alan Donnelly in second. And uh, Alan's, you know, probably lifetime nemesis at this stage, David DeGrief, uh, hot on his heels in third place. What's the gap between Alan and Davy at the moment? 13 spots. Okay. But, uh, you know, anything can happen week after week at the yeah. ranking system. Alan was nine ahead last week, so that's kind of interesting. But um, we'll come to it later on. But I think the Madeira should have a lot of these guys. These guys that yeah, yeah, it's definitely a kind of a outside top 200 for the kind of players we have in this tournament uh, or in the competition yeah, it's definitely for them so anyway look if anybody hasn't entered the competition it's, uh, it's a free one to enter um, what you need to do is follow us on Twitter at Podcast GTS and send us in your two players one from the US Tour one from the European Tour um, tweet them in the selections have to be from the official Golf World Rankings before <laughs> obviously like John did last week before the Thursday of the event starts, yes, yeah. if you want to grab No, in fairness to John, great, great entry, and, uh, and welcome to the competition, but, and he did, uh, as everyone... Uh, he got that in nice and early. Got it in on the Wednesday, so in plenty of time. And also, John, if you have this week's winner, we'd appreciate you tweeting us, maybe direct messages so we can get the odds before they slide <laughs> down. Um, and just, uh, we're going to take entries up to the middle of the summer, maybe the British Open, we might cut it off somewhere around then, yeah, and yeah. Uh, finishes the Dubai World Tour Championship, yeah. and the winner will get a four ball in Carton House, which is a wonderful place to play golf, uh, so uh, best of luck to all entry, uh, entrants. 
Thanks, William Barry. That's great. Thanks for the update. Um, okay, well, listen, our main topic this week, um, we wanted to have a quick chat and compare the um, handicap system in the US and the handicap system in UK and Ireland. So earlier today, I talked to Niall O'Carroll, um, who I kind of mentioned at the start of the show, has played golf in I played golf in Ireland and also has played in the US. So here's just a clip from the show earlier on today. I'm delighted to say today that I'm joined by Niall O'Carroll. Niall's a friend of the show and has played golf both in Ireland and the US. Uh, he currently plays at a power score off three, but also has a fantastic achievement to his name that he was club champion in Torrey Pines, which was the venue of the, U- of the US Open in 2008, which was Tiger's last win where he beat Rock Immediate in a playoff. It is also rumoured to be the venue for the 2021 US Open. And for those of you that watch the PGA Tour on a regular basis, the farmer's insurance is on there every year. We're talking to Niall today to get an understanding of the difference between the US handicapping system and the UK and Irish handicapping system. But before we get to that, Niall, first of all, thanks for taking the time to talk to us and welcome to the show. Delighted to. And before we get to discussing your time in the US, maybe we might just get a bit of a background of how you got into golf and where you started playing. Yeah, I started golf as a young age, probably about eight, um, in Athlone. Um, grew up at the, the back of the 17T, so um, I was lucky to, to have a great location. So I used to run out after school or get home from school and meet a, a few buddies up on the, the first tee. And uh, so I'd play up the 17 to 18 to warm up and be ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand you were very good at a young age. You, you kind of got good quite quickly. Yeah, but I suppose... Junior handicap or junior system in, in Athlone, they had competitions and you kind of were encouraged to, to play those and would have played all the intercompany or inter club matches. Mm. And um, so I got down to probably four or five kind of by the time I was about 14. Mm. And then um, the, the lowest I got to was about uh, three when I was you know 17 or so. And so I just kind of maintained that Brilliant. for a few years there. And you would have played then um, on some of the... So within Ireland, we would have... We'd be split into four provinces, Leinster, Munster, uh, Ulster and Connacht. So you would have played on some of the Connacht underage teams. So I would have played Connacht Youth, or with the Connacht Youth team, which is under 21 for, for a number of years. Yeah. Yeah, kind of two or three years. And uh, played a bit of golf in university then as well. So they got on the Irish university team for cool. a, couple of, a couple of their games. But, you know, that was probably... A, Quite a social level at university <laughs> level in, in Ireland. Um, it was kind of kind of fun. The after golf parties yeah. were probably a bit more interesting than the golf itself. At, at times it could be, yeah. <laughs> so my brother always kind of slagged me that I dragged my way on the team and played my way off. So. <laughs> <laughs> and during your time on the youth, would you have come across any of the, I suppose, some of the guys that are now on, well, have probably been on the European tour? Yeah, the. the the, the year or the, the time I was playing underage, um, it was actually quite a strong period. Um, you would have had Porrick Harrington, um, Darren Clark was there, just kind of finishing up when I was mm. when I was playing. Um, Ramey Burns, um, Bobby Kinsella. There's a lot of pros, uh, um, Gary uh, McNeil. Um, you know, a, a lot of the, the pros that are kind of have done well over the years. Yeah, uh, would have been excellent. Shows we probably have a very good underage system, very competitive underage system in Ireland. It seems to, you know, bring through a lot of the best golfers we have. Uh, absolutely, yeah. you know, there's there's so much golf now. It's it's hard to, to kind of it's almost a case of of choosing what are, what are the, the the tournaments to play. And mm. you know, I've, I've uh, a nephew who's quite good at the moment, and you know, he, he could be playing golf every day of the week. So yeah. there's certainly um, plenty of opportunity. It's just a question of maybe kind of some some have been. Sl- 
uh, selective because you you're going to get burnt out as well. So yes, there's a balance yes. there between playing too much golf and and you know playing at a high level. Mm. And um, how did you end up then playing in the states? Um, I suppose through work really it was an mm. opportunity. Um, I worked for a company called Alan and uh, at the time and. Uh, they had an office in uh, San Francisco. Moved to San Francisco for a couple of years, and they asked us then to move from San Francisco to San Diego. So okay. spent seven years in California in total, and wow. um, played a lot of different courses in my my travels around the states as well, with work and uh, various other things. So brilliant! Had to play a few nice ones. And then you obviously I mentioned it at the start, and you won the club championship in Torrey Pines, which I think is an amazing achievement. Um, how did that come about? So Torrey Pines is a public course, as you know, some of your people might know. Um, it's a they have a men's club associated mm-hmm. with it, so you can you don't have to once you're a resident, you can anyone can join, and uh, you pay your annual sub, which is. A couple hundred euro or a couple hundred dollars, I think. Really? Um, and they have monthly tournaments. Mm. So some of the monthly ones are turn out to be kind of long, kind of thirty six hole events, or or the club championship would be kind of run over a number of weekends in in a month. You'd have um, they'll have to into different tiers of handicap. So you'd have you know higher handicaps would be in one tier, and and then from you know probably from five down would be the tier one. Um, so you probably have seventy or eighty people would have gone into. Um, a stroke, a 36 volt stroke to qualify, mm. and then the top 36, then 32, I should say, would uh, would uh, qualify then to play match play to, to the final. And the if I'm if I'm correct, the South Course is the main one where they hold the U.S. Open and the well, actually, the, sorry, the, the North, North, yeah. uh, and is it the North Course? The North is the other one, yeah. And it, I think the Farmers Insurance they they use both of them, but is the South Course is the one where they use the is the one they use for the U.S. Open? That's right. Yeah. Um, so what they do for in in the in the um, cup championship, they had a thirty six hole, so it was one on eight, one eighteen okay. on each, and then. As I said, the, the top thirty-two qualified Brilliant. and was played. The matches were on the south then, so um, you can play whatever tees you want. Um, yeah, they ran those off the blues, so there was a black was where the U.S. Open, and then mm. the blues are still over seven thousand yards, so it's, it's a big enough course wow. even off the off the second set of tees. Wow, Jesus, that's great! And then was the condition was the course in similar condition to what they, the guys would have had in the U.S. Open? Probably the rough wouldn't be as high as okay. it was, although. I don't think the rough was was uh, in terms of length was that hard was that heavy in the in the U.S. Open. It's just seriously thick. Whatever type of grass, um, you know, even if it was only six inches mm-hmm. or four or five inches deep, it, it's 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 kind of a case of pitching it out if you're in get into some of that stuff. So, um, the greens wouldn't be as fast, but they 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 pick them pretty fast yeah, year round, yeah. and you know the weather is is good enough to be able to do that. And when you were getting to the later stages of the tournament, did it? Did you, did you have in your mind that, oh, this is actually Torrey Pines and I'm playing one of the best golf courses in the world and to be club champion here would be amazing? Was that, would, you, would I, that have been in your thoughts? I hadn't really thought about it. Um, you know, the standard is, is, is good, but it's not off the charts. You're not mm. talking about playing, I wasn't playing off, you know, I was playing off scratch in America mm. with, the, with the difference in the handicap system. Um, the guys I was playing were all around that. Maybe, you know, some of them might have been plus two or three, but nothing like... Yeah. You get to playing US amateur stuff. Like I'm, I'm assuming that those guys would be off plus five or six, mm. given the, mm. the handicapping difference. Um, but it was good. It was you know it was a great experience, and I suppose the fact that I, I played nearly every week, it didn't feel that you know I'm playing the US Open or I'm playing. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just um, try and concentrate on your golf. 
Brilliant. And you touched on it there that you were off scratch. Um, so I suppose this probably brings us back around to our main topic in terms of the US handicapping system against the UK or the Irish system. First of all, I suppose, how do they calculate the handicap? How did you, how do they end up off scratch? Or how did, how did you end up off scratch in terms of in your handicapping states? Well, the, I suppose the big difference is that the handicapping states is your, you take the best 10 scores of your last 20 scores. Okay. So straight away, you discard some of the, the bad scores you've had, and then um, from that, you, you kind of take those best ones, and there's a, there's a, a calculation I can go to mm-hmm. in a minute, but um, I suppose the big thing also is that every card counts, so every four ball you play for a bit of fun to Ooh. a tournament. So it's not every uh, competition you play, yeah. it's actually everything. So you'd be, I suppose you're playing a bit of fun with your friends, you'd probably play a bit more relaxed golf as well and you could play a bit better. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that there's a bit of an upside there. Um, the downside on it, I, I think, is that it is quite easy to manipulate it. So if you mm. decide that you want to go from scratch today to 18 handicap in a couple of months' time, all you need to do is go out and play 20 rounds and, yeah. and you can actually do that. Okay. Um, so you may see some of the pro-ams that are played around the world and some of the guys in the US seem to have high handicaps. I'm, mm. I'm guessing that they play enough golf that they can kind of keep their handicap at, at a level they want. Yeah. Um, like, converse of that, I suppose, if you want to try and get down, it's a bit easier to get down as well. Mm. You, you only have to get 10 good rounds and you can keep the, keep the handicap reasonably low. Because I, I know as well, this is one of the things that the guys coming from Ireland who are looking for a scholarship in the States, one of the things that they sometimes feel is that their the handicap system that we have is so rigid in terms of qualifying events and it's really generally for the top amateurs they're playing in very tough events and their handicap is, is strictly controlled whereas maybe for people who are going for a golf scholarship in the States, they might be able to engineer a slightly more favourable handicap when going for a scholarship. Yeah, with the, with the handicapping system in the states, you know it's very very possible that you could um, manipulate to, to get to a, a, a lower level, um, you know playing golf with your buddies. And but I would imagine that at some stage that the under the USGA you would you would have to keep a closer control of it, and that they would they would look at um, you know, the tournaments that you're that you've actually participated in and your mm. performance in those, rather than mm. just taking any posting any score because you, as you, as you said. As I said, you can post literally every round you play. Whereas in Ireland, you know, when you get to five and below, the the, the, the local branch, the, the, the branch of the, the Coffee Union of Ireland would keep an eye on your handicap. Mm. And, you know, that's something that I'd imagine would make sense to have in the US if they don't already do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool, yeah. And so you were off um, scratch in the States and three off, uh, so you're currently off three in Ireland. Um, we covered about why that might be, but maybe you might just give us a bit of an idea of how exactly do they come about to calculate uh, the handicaps. In particular, when I've been in the States a couple of times, I see course ratings and slope ratings, That's right. which kind of confuses me a bit. Okay, so so they take the top 10 um, scores of your last 20 to, to, mm. to, 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 to calculate your handicap. And then they use um, there's a different couple of different things. There's a there's a rating and there's a, a slope. Uh, the rating is closer. The closest thing we would have to our standard scratch. So you say your par would be 72, and you might have a course rating of 73 if it's a quite a difficult course. Okay. So the kind of that the kind of liking that to um, a scratch golfer should be able to go around in this course as a 
around one over if you're if you're playing you know pretty well mm. um, and then they also have a, a difficulty rating which is uh, the slope which an average course in the states are they kind of put in as a pitch at 113 as the, as the rating, but the, the, the scale goes from 55 up to 155. Okay. So if I remember correctly, Tory Pines um, is about 140 or so. Um, wow. And um, so it's it's on the, the high end of, of the... There's lots of different tees in Tory Pines, and mm. I think the Blues might have been 138, and, the, and then maybe the, the 145 for the Blacks, which is wow. the, the, the championship course. Um, so that you know, that's the kind of scale. So yeah. you get to a maybe a par three course or something that's very, very easy, and you know you're down to the fifty fives. But mm. an average course, as I said, is is is, is one thirteen. So what they do then is you take your top ten, you you work out the difference between the uh, the the course rating and your score, um, and then they take take the ten the ten lowest and then take an average of that mm. and then they multiply it by ninety six percent so all those things you take your your lowest and then you also have a little bit of a cut to, to take it down by ninety six percent so you, get, you kind of all of a sudden there's a number of different things that would get you down to yeah. making a little bit lower um, than than you would be in Ireland and would you find that um, in general that American handicaps would be slightly lower than the than the states consistently yeah yeah, yeah. definitely so. A kind of six handicapper in Ireland might be four. Exactly, in the States. absolutely. Okay. I, yeah, just coming home when I was living in the States and playing with buddies back in Ireland, they'd always say, Well, which handicap are you playing off today? <laughs> I'd always claim my Irish one because. <laughs> <laughs> but they'd always say, oh, No, you're off scratch in America, so you're playing off, you're off, playing off scratch today. Excellent. Well, that's very good. That's, that's interesting. Because, um, I mean, I find our, our system in Ireland is quite good and it's quite rigid. I know there's sometimes there are questions about the standard scratch, but. I think our system seems quite quite good. Would you prefer the Irish system in general? I think it's fairer. Mm. I think it's less chance of manipulation, as I okay. said. Um, it's very hard to get down. You mm. know, you have to be playing good golf to get down. Um, yeah. And I suppose the good thing about it is you can't go flying up either. You have to kind of work your way back up if you're playing having a bad mm. period of time. You know, you, you you take ten rounds to get back a shot, and uh, unless for injury or whatever, you, you can get you can get some further obj- adjustments, but. Um, it's not you don't go you don't have the fluctuations in Ireland as you would in the mm. states. Like when I went to the states initially, I wasn't playing very well. I was probably off five over here, and I for the first few few um, six months or so, I wasn't playing much golf. And I was I got my initial handicap was twelve, I think. Oh, really? But you know, all of a sudden you kind of have a couple of good rounds and you fly down again. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's just um, it's just how the, the system works. It, it it does fluctuate very quickly in the yeah. states. You should have come home from the states when you had that twelve. <laughs> yeah. Just just for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Great. Um, and I suppose before we finish off, how's your golf in general these days? Playing okay. Yeah. Um, I'm. I think I was about to, the lowest I got. As a, a youth, I think it was about two point six, and then okay. I got to that last year again. So, hoping I might break that two barrier this Brilliant. year, just for, as a little objective for myself. Um, but you know, again, it's it's um, it's a bit more difficult to get down in Ireland than it is in the mm. states. So, mm. looking forward to doing that. Excellent. Well, listen, thanks, Millie Nile, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, great to talk to you, and I, I found some of that stuff very interesting. Um, and hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk to you again soon. Thank you. That was a clip from an interview that I did today with Niall. Um, I must say I really enjoyed it. I found Niall uh, to be really, really enthusiastic. I could have sat there all day listening to him. He was, he was that entertaining. Um, and he's obviously a, a fantastic golfer. 
Before we move on, just to chat about it, Barry, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Irish system. Do you want to give a quick overview? Because we have a, we have a lot of US listeners who know their system but may not know our system. Do you want to give an overview of the UK and Irish handicapping system? Yeah, so, I mean, probably best to contrast them um, quickly because, you, you know, our listeners have just heard about the US system. Um, uh, so one of the things I noticed immediately was that in the Irish system, when you're playing for your handicap, you're playing in a designated competition. Mm. Uh, you can go out and play practice rounds, but they won't count for your handicap mm. purposes. So that was, a, that was a big thing that I, I'm only after just learning today, mm. actually. So it was really interesting to understand that too. Um, all rounds count in the States, whereas... Uh, it's not the case here. Um, the other one that uh, seemed to catch my eye uh, attention was the, the way that the courses are given a difficulty or a slope rating over in the States. Um, and that's kind of a, an all-year-round thing. The course is given a, a, a standard rating. Um, how it's dealt with over here in Ireland is that on a given competition day, we get what is called a competition standard score. So this score is calculated for each competition um, on a formula designed to take in proportions of the field average performances based on historical stats for that golf course and how the field matched up to the standard scratch score for that golf course on that day. Mm. So you're, you're, so if you go out and shoot a, say, 68 on a par 72, but that course is playing, say, a little bit easier that day, your handicap won't get cut as much as it would have if the course was playing a bit more difficult and mm. you shot the same score. So your score is adjusted relative to the difficulty of that course on the day as opposed to the course over the whole season. Mm. Um, so that, that's, that was the one, that was a really interesting thing I found at the court, you know, the, the one day thing versus the whole season long. I think that's a good point because I think what happens is the standard for everyone in Ireland is we all go out on the one day and we all play the same course. Mm. They calculate what the average score is and we all get a handicap adjustment on that day. Mm. Whereas um, Niall was mentioned that someone could go out on their own with the lads and they get a handicap adjustment. And you actually mentioned, Barry, I think maybe it was last week that you played, well, no, actually, sorry, it was this week you played the singles and you shot eight over. Now, we obviously just disregard that. But if this was, if we were playing the the US system, you would have, you'd be obliged to actually hand in a card for mm. that match you played and you would get a handicap adjustment for it. And even if you went out, do you guys went out and played on a Friday night together and played 18 holes just to crack, you're actually obliged again to fill in your card. Um, so what the Irish system is, it's all on the day. Um, yeah, it's all on a designated competition day. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting system. I thought the the twenty rounds thing is yeah. very. You may you raised a really good point. We were discussing this earlier before the show. Um, the twenty rounds. If you can discard ten bad rounds straight away, that's equivalent to um, getting one shot extra. Yeah. Um, so just to explain, if you have a bad day and you're outside what's called a buffer zone, which is a little margin of error that mm. you, your your score has away from the standards, the course, the competition scratch score for that day. Um, if you're outside that buffer zone, you get 0.1 back for your handicap. Yeah. That's the maximum you can get back on that one competition day. But it, you, like you were saying, in, this, in the US, when you discard those 10 bad scores, assuming they're all 0.1, that's, that's the equivalent of one extra shot in handicap. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, if, the, if we were talking about a 10 handicapper, and as you say, that they play 20 rounds here, that if 10 of them are worth their own place their handicap, they're outside the handicap, well then that's 10, so you go 10.1, 10.2, 10.3, so mm. you add on 1.1 for each round. So automatically with 10 bad rounds, that person goes to 11. 
Mm. Um, and those cards are discarded under the US system, whereas the 10 good rounds, now they might, it's the 10 best, they might necessarily all be good. So that's kind of what I thought it was interesting. But I, the thing I find a bit strange about the whole US system is, and, and again, we have a good few US listeners, so we, we'd appreciate any feedback on this because you guys might actually think that your system is better or it might be more efficient. But I kind of find it strange that you can pretty much manage your own input on a very casual basis into the handicapping system, which I think is, is as a control, is a bit loose. But I, I don't know. Well, I, I, that, that's the big problem I see with the US system. And while I have only, and this has been a very interesting discussion because it's certainly something I didn't actually appreciate prior to, to this podcast, what the differences were, and there was even a difference. I thought there was a standard worldwide handicap system, <laughs> and clearly there's not. But I think it's ripe for, for abuse, where you where every round counts, and you can go out with your friends on a Friday evening. You know, your friends have to be the ones who then administer that yeah. to the letter. Yeah. You know, if, if you want to be a, a single-figure handicapper, you know, if there isn't honesty and trust, and I suppose that's the basis of golf generally, but if there isn't, you can you can push out a couple of weeks before a big tournament in your golf club. You mm. can come in. You can go whichever way you want. Mm. By like, if you if you know that you're going to be playing in in the captain's prize or in your club ca- mm. championship, fifteen days from now, you could get your mates go out for fifteen days. Yeah. Play fifteen rounds and play horrendous for those fifteen, deliberately in the knowledge yeah. that mm. you're pushing your handicap out because the the last ten scores count. Which means you can turn up to the captain's prize with an 18 handicapper when truly you're actually probably a 7 or 8 handicapper, yeah. but you've been able to manipulate the system. I think, yeah, I think that's the thing about the Irish system is because we only play on one competition day, you can only really get your point one back on that one authorised day by the club. The other thing I was thinking about as well is when you play match play and you have a three footer, it's, you know, even let's say your partner's putting for Birdie and you've got a three footer for par, they'll just go. Listen here, you can concede that the three footer. So in match play, where you're obliged to fill in cards, there's a lot of conceded puts. And if you're, if the two you lads are out playing, or any of us are out just playing a casual Friday evening, yeah, you don't even pick up. You just pick up some of the, you know, if you're two feet away, three feet away, you just concede it and move on, and, and and kind of get around, try and get around two hours, two and a half hours. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, for example, when I was playing my match play on one of the holes was a par five, and I was into approach shot range in two. Um, he had a bit of a nightmare of a hole I think he'd taken 7 or 8 shots by that stage so he then goes I'm conceding the hole by the, ru- by the rules of match play I'm then deemed to have holed out my next shot so effectively for score, if, if we're in the US for scoring purposes I'd have an eagle on that hole I don't think you would though would you? what do you get then? I think, I think you, you, you I presume and again this is where we, we'd appreciate any feedback I assume you'd almost just play your shot and if you put it into 2 feet Grant you take the birdie if you put it in six feet if you blade it over the back of the green I think you'd probably be honest with yourself and go I'll take a six but what's the, what's the difference between him conceding when I'm in the fairway and me on the green if he concedes when I'm on the green I pick up my ball and it's deemed that the next shot is hold for when, he, when a concession is made that's my understanding of it but uh, like that's the thing I mean I shouldn't play out the hole once he's conceded no but like I think if you're if you're totting up your own in you know, the same way if you were trying to figure out your score at the mm. end of the evening and you were given three 30-footers of the holes over, you're not going to say, well, I had three birdies. No, not at all. <laughs> you know I mean? You're going to say, well, I probably had three parties. I'm, try, I'm trying to just kind of you know, go through this from the, the letter of the law and what, what might actually apply to our U.S. listeners and people in playing under the U.S. handicapping system. But you see, 
What's yeah. the difference of the power there? Like, I, you know, but, well, this is, I was going to ask that. Would it not just be that if, if in that situation, in the scenario that you're saying, and I don't know this because I haven't looked at it in depth to that level, the match play certainly seems to be an anomaly to the system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that certainly leads to more questions than answers. Yeah. Certainly this discussion seems to prove that. The point that you make, Barry, about the match play and picking up, you know, do you put it down as an eagle? Clearly, it's not an eagle. You know, the likelihood of you holding out from there. You know, but I know yeah. what the point you're making. I assume that the the way to negate that would be that you'd have to put a par down. You'd just simply take the par of the hole yeah. and say, perhaps well, it, it it's a five. Regardless of whether you you could have gotten your birdie or your eagle or whatever it was, you just simply put down on the scorecard the par. Or that, if that be it. Or if you're playing, if you are playing bearing and handicap in mind, you'd say, well, Grand, you'd say to your guy, listen, I'm just going to take my prop shot in. And he'd go, yeah, fine. And as I said, if you stick it six feet, where you can grab, pick it up and call it a birdie mm. and move on. If you stick it to 20 feet, you go, listen, I'm just going to pick it up and, and call it a par and you keep moving on. If you're in a hurry, like, I mean, if you're, if you're playing match play and you're not that much of a hurry, you might even think about finishing at the hole anyway. But to, but to take a scenario uh, and, you know, I'm just going to take a random score of, of somebody in a match play losing nine and seven. See the the likelihood of you playing in now. That person may have played in because you know that was they were out for the day. But if if I lost nine and seven, I just want to get in the car and go home. I'm not going to play the eighteen holes. So again, there has to be, there must be a way, and maybe we missed it and we haven't been able to see it because all of the rules are so long. But if you lose nine and seven and you're so ashamed of losing at nine and seven, you feel that the best thing to do is leave and not play on. Then there must be a system to which you, you, you either get bogeys for every hole coming in or if you get, you know, but there must be some way. Match play seems to be a system where the American system, I think, falls down in, in administering it. As, I'm insofar sure insofar exactly as our knowledge, know. yeah, insofar well, as our knowledge extends to it. Well, actually, one of the things I wonder is, like in, in the States, there isn't a, a Saturday competition for clubs. So they don't have a system where you go and you play uh, you have 150 people playing on a Saturday and you all play a competition. Really? There's no I think it's everyone and they goes play out. their competitions. What so do they, they do on Saturdays? They just go out and play in four balls, go out and play with pals and play the I don't think there is a a standard Saturday competition in the States. I don't think they I should have actually asked Nine about that today, but there's no system where they all log up, log in, put in the thing. There isn't they all just go out and play and play socially. Why? Yeah, and they would still obviously calculate your your handicap and stuff like that, but um, sure. It's a crazy well, world out there. I know. So, <laughs> what, 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 like any of your US listeners, tell us, like, you know, do you have a, does anyone have a Saturday competition at all? Is there any like golf club that's trying to break the trend over there? I think the big thing is that they have. There's two things they have: is the member, I think it's the member member, and then I think it's member guest. Are there two? Are there big captain's prize kind of events? But also as well, I think that people meet up. So if you're a good four handicapper, something like that, that. You meet up with another group of guys and you all have your handicaps and they play cash games. They all put money in and go and play. That's how I understand they're playing. Um, there's a pal of mine who's in Florida and that's what they did. But they don't have Saturday competitions. Because it was interesting the and, and, and listening to the interview um, when he talked about his championship in Tory Pines that in that championship it was categorised. He yeah. played in the category for his handicap of you know, scratch to eight um, so that somebody of 21 can't go out and shoot mm. out the lights that day. They'll only win their category, which I thought was an interesting, something that should be looked at, you know, in, in, in golf clubs. Certainly in Glen of the Downs, it would be interesting to say, 
big competition. Captains is a captain's prize for the Category 1. Category I think there, is, there is category winner prizes. Um, a normal Saturday On a normal Saturday, but, yeah. But no, in, there is isn't a captain's prize um, for, for individual days. But I like the idea of the, the separate club championship being categorised as well because mm. it puts you in against golfers of the equivalent skill level and handicap basis. So... Um, I really like the way they did the club championship over there. We don't have it in our course, but the, the strokes qualifier mm. followed by the match play. Um, I mean, to, to win a club championship, obviously playing phenomenal. And congratulations, Niall. It's just yeah, it's great a performance, brilliant yeah. achievement to win it in any golf club. And you know, for us to see a place like Tory Pines and TV as well kind of adds that extra level mm. of cool to it. Mm. So, um, you know, fair play indeed. In Carton, that's exactly how ours is done, except we have 16, uh, 16 spots. So, and we actually have this weekend that the holder gets in automatically into the match play. There's, it's done in the April medal and the May medal. There's eight spots in April and then seven spots for the seven lowest gross. Yeah. And are you getting some new weapons in on uh, Friday this weekend? Yeah, yeah. So I, I won't be. I won't be. Um, the planets are aligning, Bob. You got to go out there and shoot like 72, 73 yeah, and get in. I've got only a good score. So that's in our course. It would be kind of similar, you know. So that that would kind yeah. of. Um, and I know Glenn and Ellsley talked about having a, a club championship. We, we have a two-day club championship now in a few weeks' time. It's done on a Saturday and a Sunday. So that's just um, gross. It's just gross. Yeah, gross over the two days and. Not a huge amount. Of, I think last year was the first year it happened. There was only about twenty odd runners in it. So um, hopefully this year will be a few more in it. I'm definitely going to play it. Uh, really looking forward to it. In terms of the handicap, and to go slightly backwards for a second, in in terms of the handicap system, I I understand that that the American system is now implemented. The slope system, for want of a better phrase, is mm. now implemented in Europe. Mm. That Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, under the Congru, wanted to joined the slope system but it was the English GUI who said no to it and vetoed it so just uh, for any of our listeners over here in Europe or Ireland and Britain don't know what the slope system is it's a it's a rating a difficulty rating given to a golf course um, by the USGA based on various different yeah, factors Niall mentioned it in the interview yeah 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 no, just to catch up there on it. Um, but it's interesting that that Ireland Scotland and Wales all wanted to, to change to that yeah. system so that the handicaps would be brought in line with America. Whatever the problems we've addressed with, say, match play or things like that, mm. it's obviously something that the Irish GUI and others, it's only the English, from what I can see, certainly Europe have gone that way as well. So it's only the English who are the ones who are holding up a change on these islands. Yeah, come on, England, sort it out. Get us all on the same system. The one point I was going to make as well is I don't think in the States that they play, they don't have club match plays. So they don't have singles match play, uh, four ball match play, forces match play. That's the other thing. Well, so I'm not sure I want to play golf in America. There's still <laughs> a whole different world out there. So what, 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 the reason I mentioned this is that they don't have a, they don't have a system where everyone plays against each other or different clubs play against each other in terms of... The interclubs? No, in terms of where handicaps might be applied. There are interclubs, I understand, mm. but it's all off, off scratch. So at least in the UK and Ireland, you need this handicap system to be accurate so that um, sort of when you're playing each other, that it's a consistent system. So I wonder would the slope system throw it off? I don't think so. I think the slope system would work even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, because our system is quite rigid and less open to abuse than the US system. Um, I think the slope system gives you a handicap adjustment for the, the type of golf course you go to. So if your handicap is on a very easy course and you go to a difficult course, you get extra shots and yeah. vice versa. And I think uh, 
maybe there's some sort of hybrid or, you know, if we can eventually get the slope system in over here, I think it would be a great thing. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there's any, any movement on it. For a bit of fun, um, there was a, an article this week on, and I suppose it links into what we said, on golf.com um, that shows, this is one thing I've always loved to know is, well, what handicap would the professional players be if they if they were still amateurs? So, the, and actually, we'll post the link up to it on the Twitter, but the very interesting thing is, so, where our handicaps are minus, so, for example, mine's minus uh, 5.7, the guys like Bubba Watson, Bubba Watson's handicap is plus 7.7, and Phil Mickelson's handicap is plus 4.6 which I think is just outrageous. And there's a lot of other very good golfers on that list as well who uh, who had some, you know, pretty good... Like Paul Casey is plus 5.4. Now, I'm, I see a lot, of, a lot of them actually have their memberships at a Whisper Rock, which I presume is for winter practices. It's, like that. it's in Arizona, yeah, and possible tax purposes as well. We're, yes, we're not yeah, sure. We're just, yeah. yes. But definitely they can play all year round. But it's interesting, yeah, in that article it mentions, you know, their, their best score and their worst score... And, you know, upon learning that the worst scores are discarded in the U.S. handicapping system, it actually is easy to see how these guys can get these amazing handicaps when yeah. they, they go play these courses that aren't up to, you know, they wouldn't be set up as difficult as a tour course would be on any given week. Yeah, so... Um, That's, uh, yeah, 7.7 is still ridiculous, though. So. Amazing, yeah. yeah. So, like, 14 shots better, and, and again, that's, <laughs> that's just outrageous. And you bubble on, and you're not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And those, all those 14 shots are as 14 drives. But <laughs> <laughs> I have to catch up with my next shot. <laughs> There's an interesting, on the USGA website, um, you can go on to the, the course rating and slope database and you can get all the data for each of the different courses in America. Mm-hmm. And Whisper Rock has, their back sticks is called Lefty, which I just wonder if that's for uh, Phil, oh. which is one of the highest ranks. Uh, the highest is 155 and this plays at 147. So I just wonder whether or not that's in honour of himself. Well, actually, in the article, he mentions that he designed one of the layouts. So maybe that's his layout that they that, that they call it. So that's cool. That's deadly. The fairway extends out like 80 yards, either you know, right and left at his yeah. landing zone, <laughs> <laughs> with no trees in the way. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool that their handicaps are so good, you know. So um, and uh, we touched on it previously in the previous episode. It should be not. We have talked with European Tour pros' handicaps as well oh, over here yeah. in Europe, and some of them have remarkable ones as well you know in those plus ranges as well so you can get to that in uh, both systems you can get to the really good plus handicaps in both systems so there you go if you're ever wondering what uh, handicap film makes the most you, you now know so um that's kind of um, an interesting interesting one to look at and we'll, we'll post up the link to that and um, moving on and uh, looking ahead to next week um and regina we really have probably one of the best events next to the major in terms of tv viewing in terms of quality of players and it's the TPC, the Players' Championship in Sawgrass. Um, brilliant, brilliant field. I think they have, as the title says, this is the Players' Championship. This is their own tournament. And it's the who's who of the world rankings at the moment. We're, only, we're probably just missing Tiger. So it's McElroy, Scott, Kuchar, Donald, Rose, Garcia, Stenson, Mickelson, Speed, Furyk, Bubba Watson, Lee Westwood, uh, Zach and Dustin Johnson, Charles Schwartz, and 
and the rest and keep going and keep going <laughs> amazing field and this is going to be a cracking tournament and I suppose the one thing we always look forward to is the 17th hole yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cracking golf course you know, Pete Dye golf course so it's uh, nice and tight you know smaller yeah. greens challenges all parts of your game so you're going to have to be really on it this week to win yeah. it yeah um, I'm really looking forward to it and going back to your point about slope ratings and Niall mentioned it as well in his, in his interview the range is 55 to 155 and did you say you had the... This is actually 155 <coughs> off the pros. Off the pro tees is 155. So it's the hardest rating you can get on their system. Which, like, when you consider that, they, they never really... You never see anyone winning in Sawgrass over par or anything like that. It's never... Like, mm. I, I'm, in, I'm just... I'm really going off memory that it's probably... Last few years have been, like, minus 13. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you look at somewhere like Mary in the U.S. Open courses, I wonder if they have to create a new slope rating for them, you know? Because that's just—I mean, this is obviously this is a good, solid test for them. Oh yeah. Yet they're still not getting rounded low double teams. I think they—I think the USGA will—they are—they'll set up the—they set up the course to allow for birdies to give a little bit yeah. of excitement, you know? They, they want to kind of have their own character for the event, you know, where you're, you're not always fighting for par, and there are chances to make birdies and mm. hit, you know, get the crowds going as well. So. It is. It's interesting the way they can. Tweak, I'm sure they could tweak this course to make the winning score ten over par if they wanted to. And last year was was it last year when Sergio and Tiger faced down? Was that last year? Sergio went pin hunting and yeah. uh, went swimming then. Hole seventeen. Yeah, yeah, that was great TV. And I'm hoping it was. I'm hoping we get great TV again. What so, I what I like about this this tournament is that it's the first time probably since Augusta that all the big big names are back. You know, it's it's yeah. it really like. I've always regarded, I know other people do, as the fifth major. You know, it's that mm. great link between Augusta and April moving to June and that this this is right there in the middle for mm. me. All the big names are there. As you say, Tiger's not there. Whether he's been missed, we'll wait and see. I'm mm. not particularly bothered. There's so many great names that Absolutely. are playing this weekend that more stories about them will be more interesting than is this about Tiger. But 17 is just one of the whole... The whole course is just a fabulous... Uh, viewing experience mm. and I love it as a, as, as a competition to me if, if I was only to watch the four majors this is the fifth one that I would definitely watch to mm. make yeah. sure that I see it and sit from Thursday to Sunday yeah yeah, no. it's, pr- it's probably the f- I think it is they, they claim it's the strongest field assembled in the year mm. um, which is yeah, look it's going to be it's going to be great I hope you know everyone's a bit more excited the commentators are more excited this week so you know, you always feel feels a little bit more special watching a tournament like this than it is versus, like, say, last week's. Anyone having a bet this week on it? Um, I'm gonna cash bet anyway. Cash bet. Uh, I'm gonna double up again and do Henrik Stenson. <coughs> okay. I, I'm gonna stick with him. I think he's gonna come good. He had a fifth place there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. He's not doing too good on his stats this year, like greens and regulation, and his putting is pretty poor this year, but. As we say, like the, the you know the difference in any given week for a pro is usually if he gets a hot putter, there's a good chance he's going to win the tournament. So I'm hoping this is the week he does it. And that applies more so to Stenson than anyone else, really, in, t- in terms of the hot putter, you know. Yeah, yeah, very much so. He's a he's a superb ball striker, and this uh, this is a ball striker's course. You need to be the winners have shown you need to be accurate off the tee, and you need to be accurate into the greens, and mm. you don't need to be amazing at the putter when you do that, but you still need to be good. So. Well, certainly, uh, when I was looking at the results last week, Rory tied eighth, another top ten finish. And I know I got scalded slightly last year, last week on the idea that uh, every time I look at the, the, the odds, Rory is up there. 14 to 1, Rory. There. Paddy Power paying, paying six places. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's any other 
companies that are doing better than that. But uh, looking down the line, certainly uh, Jim Furyk, uh, a 30 to 1, uh, tied second last week. Yeah, 72-69-69-65 last week. Uh, great round in the final round. And a long wait in the clubhouse to see could he get into a playoff. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, looking down the field, certainly from from my perspective, I, I think um, uh, Martin Keimer um, certainly played very well last week, had a very solid um, round, uh, four rounds uh, at last week's tournament, uh, 80 to 1 this week. Um, I don't know whether or not that's just a Phil's errand and I'm throwing my money away, but... I actually wanted to mention him at the, at the start because he shot 69-69-70 and was right in contention. I was delighted to see him, Matt, because he was obviously former World War One, wasn't he? One of the best golfers Europe has yeah. produced in a long time. Now he shot a final around 75, but um, I think that that could be a very, very good bet because he might have got that bit of confidence from last week. It's kind of like if you go and play three competitions or play four competitions and you have three good scores and one bad one, pretty happy so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking Cameron, I think that's a very good bet I think he, he got the feeling of being back in there again so it would be great to see him back because he's a, he's a great golfer and um, you hate to see somebody who was that high up kind of falling away um, yeah. you, so who are you going to who's your who's your main bet this week then Bob I saw um, an article on uh, that was public a betting article that GMAC was 80 to 1 which I think is a massive price for GMAC Um now, he does have three missed cuts in the last five years, and he's missed the last two cuts here. Um, but I think this year he's been playing steadily enough. Um, he's played six times this year and had three top tens, 23rd the last time out. And he actually led here, I think it was in 2010, I think he led after 54 holes. So he can play the course. So I thought 80 to 1 was massive. Now, by the time I read the article, I actually went to put a bet on it, he was 70 to 1. He's now yeah. 60 to 1. Is he 61? Yeah. Yeah. 60 to 1, yeah. Now, actually, I think I put it actually on William Hill, so I put it on, I got 70 to 1 with them, so... And you're, a ha- you're a happy bunny now. Yeah, well, I think I only, it's only a small bit, but I... I he won't I, be I, when he misses the cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for his... For him, okay. yet again. So, to guarantee one of us wins something this week, we have a little presenter pick. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with Garcia, based on last year I think he's and there's no Tiger this year to scare him off yeah yeah so, so I'm going to go Sergio this year hopefully um, he dodges a mental scarring Alan mentioned to me that he fancies Luke Donald so I will put Alan down for Luke Donald this week he okay him. Uh, I'll stick with Stanson cool yeah okay he has to reward you at some stage he does eventually yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> if not oh it's a pity he's not going to I thought Dev's going to play the Irish Open but if he did you could go and say listen here you owe me, five. You owe me, you owe me, <laughs> you owe me 500 euros yeah, yeah. <laughs> you owe me four or fivers for those four times I've picked you please hand it up um, um, my presenter pick I'm going with Martin Kahn I'm going to stick, brilliant. stick with right. him okay we'll write that down cool we'll have, we'll have a look down next week Um okay uh, the other event then this week is the Madeira Islands Open now I suppose looking at it I suppose it's not a it's not a great event the only thing I will defend the Madeira Islands Open is I think if I'm correct Peter Uline won this event last year and I think this is the one that got him his I think this is a co-section event the Challenge Tour it is he's got his European Tour card so that's the one thing that that there is um, it can be somewhat important Um, yeah this is a chance to win your playing rights for two years and a bit of prize money and possible sponsorship money you know gives you a job guaranteed job for two years yeah so uh, it's a big deal for these guys yeah and as well um, the one thing I was I've been watching that the long walk program in the last while I saw Kevin Phelan was on and it reminded me that in his first European tour event I think he was top 
I think it was 24th or top 25. Mm. And he's actually playing this week again. And he's so obviously, remember, he qualified for two US Opens as an amateur. And he's 66 to 1 with some of the bookmakers. Um, and this is obviously, you know, no disrespect to any of the players playing. This would probably be, it wouldn't even be a tier 2, it might even be a tier 3 event. So, something like that. I'd be interested to see how he goes. There's, yeah, there's not, there's none of those really intimidating names up at the, mm. you know, in the field. So, you know, these guys will all fancy their chances this week. And it could be one of those sneaky tournaments that comes up with a brilliant, exciting Sunday finish. And as well, if you win the event, you get your two-year European Tour card, which is worth more than whatever money is on is on offer. Absolutely. So it's, 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 it'd yeah. be a huge prize to win. Opens it. up doors to everything, you know, bigger tournaments and... Mm. The works, so uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, be exciting, and it's back on at a regular viewing time for us. So, um, could be a bit of Sunday afternoon viewing before the final round of the Players Championship. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely one to look forward to. Um, I presume there's no bets in that, though, lads. No, 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 no. no. Keep, an eye, keep an eye and hope for some nice, interesting golf. Yeah, I'm just going to keep an eye on Kevin Beelan on that one to see how he does. How he does. Um, okay, well, listen. The um, just before we wrap up, a few things. First of all, is the rules related question. And I have some good news for you, Barry. The answer, in match play, a player observes a breach of the rules by his opponent but decides to disregard it. There is no penalty as a player may overlook opponent's breach of the rules. That's the correct answer, and you are right. Boom. So, I think that ties That's a rare up. feeling that you have there, Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been a tough week, tough last few days, so any little win, I'll take it. That's awesome. That's 9 all, and Alan to yeah. go first next week. Or, uh, yeah, 9 all, yeah. And spend the rest of the evening torturing Alan by text message. <laughs> yeah, well, although you've got to let him listen to it, so he, he finds out this finds out by listening to it. Very good point. <laughs> um, okay, well, listen, we're more or less going to wrap up. Before we do, um, we've had a good few people who have been in contact and telling us they enjoyed the show. We really appreciate all the contact. Uh, contact. Um, quick mention to Russell Coombs who um, took James's tip about teeing up the ball for every shot went out yeah. played a few go- holes with his girlfriend and uh, she scored points on every single hole yeah. so um, delighted that uh, you know somebody had a bit of fun and more people in the game it's great yeah yeah, exactly so that, was, that was good so, and yet again Russell's good he's great at getting in contact so thanks yeah. to that, Russell cheers Russell um, so listen Anyone that's listening and or if you're enjoying the show, um, we'd love if you give us a rating on iTunes. Um, just helps us boost our, I suppose, our ratings uh, on iTunes and moves us up the rankings um, and helps us all around. So with with that, anyway, I just have to thank you two guys and thanks to everyone else for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye, bye, yeah. Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.